When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Ultimate Survival Tips and The Survival Show Podcast, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any emergency or disaster. And our goal is that by the end of the show, you leave here more prepared than you are right now at the beginning. I'm David with Mr. Craig Cottle, survival author, instructor, and founder of Nature Reliance School, live from Kentucky, USA. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. And in the studio, we have Mr. Joe Wagner, one of my right-hand guys here at Ultimate Survival Tips. Joe is a capable, would you consider yourself a capable outdoorsman? Compared compared to what? (laughs) He's a capable outdoorsman and a full-time pastor. And last but not least, Uh Mr. T.J. Freeman, who grew up in the wilds of North Central PA, TJ is also a full-time pastor and an avid outdoorsman. I dabble. (laughs) And besides being friends who bring unique perspectives to the table, TJ and Joe are also the hosts of the popular podcast, Rural Pastors Talk. Welcome, everybody. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having us. Hey, Craig. How's Kentucky today? Uh, It's a beautiful day here in Kentucky, that's for sure. Cool, cool. Nice. TJ and Joe. Yeah. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing real well. It like It's cool here as well, and I am not a huge fan of the humidity or over 80 degrees sorts of days, so it's been pretty cool. TJ likes it cold, too. Yeah, no. It's, uh, it can't be warm <laughs> enough. It can't be warm enough. No, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting here marveling at all the stuff in, in your studio. I If I don't pay attention, you just grab me, and I'm, I'm going to be looking at some of the stuff back there. His studio is a lot cooler than our studio. Yeah, it's not in the, the basement nursery of the church, so it's an upgrade. Yeah, I don't know if anybody noticed. I don't know what camera can see it, but the coyote tail broke off back there, and it's oh, kind of... It yeah, it did. It broke off. I'm kind of bummed. Well, Joe, what are we going to talk about today? Well, in today's show, we are going to discuss survival stockpiling and bartering and how to prepare now to be able to get what you need to survive when a society-altering event happens. We might even get into our opinions about things like gold, silver, and Bitcoin. Okay. And before we're all done, yeah, Bitcoin. And before we're all done, we will break down a difficult situational survival scenario around the topic of bartering and prepping that will challenge you to consider what you might do when faced with a potentially life-threatening moral, spiritual, or ethical 
survival dilemma. But, 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 before we get into all this, I want to thank today's sponsor, SOL. SOL stands for Survive Outdoors Longer. They make emergency shelters, fire starters, survival kits, and signaling accessories. SOL is trusted by outdoor enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Can you guys say enthusiasts? Enthusiasts. <laughs> and outdoor professionals. And I've been enjoying reviewing their gear for over 10 years, including including their new plasma. That's right. It's a plasma fire starter. It's about 2,000 degrees, and it's got a little flashlight here when you close it up. Ooh. Ooh. Ah. I think, Ben, I think, Producer Ben, we reviewed that. And we've got their emergency survival bit bivy with a survival whistle here and fire cord. Very cool. And so, what else about SOL? This year. This year. That's right. SOL is expanding their current collection to include base camp items, cutting tools. Cutting tools? That sounds like knives. Mm. It's like the politically correct way to say knives, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make an insurance joke, but I won't. <laughs> Navigation gear and more with new a new lighting collection coming out in fall of 2011. That's this year. All right. Here's the slogan, everybody. Remember this. Pack SOL and pack more than luck. Woo, available, at, available at REI, Amazon, and many other retailers. So you guys all ready to get into this bartering thing? Kind of. Kind of. I'm going to learn a lot from you and Craig and probably TJ, yeah, too. Probably TJ. Right. So, but let's set the stage. Um, so why would you barter? Like, what's the need for that? Why even think about it? Here are some real-world examples of how a disaster scenario could happen, like, real quick. Russian computer hackers shut down the colonial pipeline that fed gas to much of the East Coast. Right? So gas stations ran out of gas. People began hoarding gas. Right, and and the hackers were paid in what? Bitcoin. Bitcoin, TJ. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's uh, something else, right? A Wall Street Journal headline. Now, this isn't related to the to this is to the gas colonial pipeline. This is something completely different. Just a week ago, a Wall Street Journal headline read: "U.S. inflation is highest in 13 years as prices surge five percent." CNBC reported that inflation has speeded up as consumer prices leapt 4.2%, the most since 2008. Prices of goods skyrocket during inflation. Right? We just experienced pandemic. We just experienced food shortage. Like in certain parts of the, our country, we've experienced civil unrest. We've had gas shortages. We've had inflation. Right? That's all happened within the past year. Like, what would happen if two or three or four or five of those events happened, like, all at the same time? That, that's society altering, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. So, Craig, maybe maybe you can come in here and just talk about anomalies over the last year. Maybe what, you know, why we, sh maybe we have people that are just getting into prepping and survival. Like, why do we prepare? Is that too broad of a question or... What do you say? Well, I think it's a pretty broad subject, but that doesn't mean that we can't break it down and start to work through it. Uh, meaning uh, the this last year has given us an opportunity to basically see that something could happen. And if nothing else, that gives us the mindset that we need to be doing something about it, preparing ourselves. Okay, so that's, that's first. Uh, a good way to do this is to, you know, 
basically we, in my mind, well, let me rephrase. One thing that we haven't experienced is what I would consider a real serious disaster or survival related event. Meaning most of us have had an opportunity to be in our homes. We have maybe had a little bit of issue with groceries, but really not for the most part. And so uh, this gives us an idea of how people are going to react around us. And so at the very least, we need to start getting our preparedness supplies ready with that in mind. I think that's, if nothing else, I think yeah, that's, that's key. Good. So as I just kind of want to define prepping a little bit and preparing, and I think you hit on it, Craig, anybody else jump into, are there good and bad motivations for preparedness? You and I had talked, Dave, how about how I was kind of riding the wave. Like I, when... I saw Corona coming and what could happen way back when it was in China. And, and you missed 30 cent per round. I did. Two, two, three. <laughs> right. So I was kind of riding that wave. Every time we went to the to the store, we did put away some canned goods. We did buy like our rice and beans and, and shelf stable sorts of things. And you just mentioned like ammunition and bullets. Like, man, I had <laughs> I had like a half a box of my deer rifle. And Dave's like, oh, man, you got to. But I bought more than probably what I needed of some of those sorts of things. But I got, I did get, it wasn't ridiculous, but things got real scarce in a big hurry. And when things got scarce, there was this natural inclination of mine to be like, well, I need more, right? Uh, I think it's all economics. Maybe it's economics of our brains and our heads. Man, I, I want to buy some 5.56 before it goes to 80 cents a piece, you know, so... Yeah, that was it was really I think the big thing yeah, go, to go ahead, recognize here, guys, is that humans are basically herd animals. And so when we see other people doing things, we almost always want to do exactly what they're doing. So even though there wasn't really a, an issue with toilet paper, for example, uh, when we saw people running and trying to get toilet paper, we started running and getting it too. I'm not saying I did. I'm just saying a lot of people did because, again, we – we are we have this almost herd mentality where it's it's something that's scary so we've got to be doing what everybody else is doing instead of sitting back and doing a critical assessment or critical thinking on the situation at hand and saying okay do i actually need toilet paper for example and if i do do i already have enough and have i put enough back and stuff of that nature and so i think the key is that is that everybody's situation is different, including the four of us. All four of us here have different situations. Our families are different sizes. We different live in different locations in the world. And so we have to literally critically think at each and every one of our own situations, our own families, our own homes, our ge geographical location, and make assessments based upon that as much as anything rather than just following the herd. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenges, uh, you know, we are a people who are used to being able to have a relatively peaceful existence. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a, yeah. we can buy peace of mind a lot of the time. And when that is taken away from us, that's where the panic comes in. And when you start trying to hoard so that you have peace of mind, you know, that's when you when you really get into danger. So you mentioned, you know, what are some of the negative reasons for prepping? And I would say if we're prepping simply for the selfish motivation of I need to make sure that I can know that I am personally well taken care of. And I didn't think about it at all prior. But now that there's an issue, I need to panic and do whatever it is. You know, that that is a, a terrible motivation. Because there's probably a, a little bit of a difference between 
well, we don't want to get into semantics, but being prepared and panic buying, right? And riding that wave or being behind that wave. I think that that's what we're all talking about, yeah. too. Now's the time slowly, gradually to start building those things up. And Yeah, I think Joe is right. Uh, the key is, is I think we have to recognize that things need to change. If anything else, COVID has done that for us. And by recognizing that, then we can start to make these small changes now and build up our supplies, build up our skills, what I call the four, four puzzle pieces of survival, mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. If anything else, COVID has given us a, uh, an awesome opportunity to see where all of those play out as it relates to our disaster readiness as well as our, well, quite frankly, our survival. Yeah, that's really good. I think uh, getting back to that, that whole point of panic buying, emotionally buying, what what is it? I mean, let's just dig into this a little bit. What is it? All right, let's just put it this way. We're pretty well prepared here, wouldn't you say, Joe? Uh, on various levels of the spectrum, I, but probably all of us are a little bit better prepared. Yep, than... and, and we live in a rural area here, Craig. You live in a, in a rural area, and... Um, you know, there's just something about that gardens. We have chickens, we have bees, all that sort of, we've got a wood lot, all those sorts of things that, and the electric goes out a lot. So we, we've had to prepare somewhat. And but, we know what to do when it happens. But still, uh-huh. that emotion grows in me and rises in me at times. And I, I panic. It's like, there's no peanut butter left. I only have like 15 jars on the shelf and you know those are probably like four months old and they only last for like six months so you know maybe i should find it somewhere and buy 10 jars right what is it in in us that makes us so susceptible to that well what's interesting is that the scriptures really warn against some of these things you know there's the concept there's this tension you know all through scripture there's these tensions one tension is preparedness. You know, the scriptures actually talk a lot about preparedness, even with a simple illustration like look at the ant, how they're stockpiling way ahead of time, or um, the concept that if somebody won't take care of their family, you know, they're, they're worse than a reprobate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this idea of planning and prepping is there. But then there's the tension of, well, but don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough trouble of its own. So what what is beneath the surface is this ability to, to be able to say, I'm comfortable, I feel whole, I feel complete, I can take care of myself. And when that foundation gets shaken, that's where the panic starts to get in. So when we shift from the kind of the biblical mindset of ultimately it is God who's in control, but I've been entrusted with some responsibilities within the limits that he has set for me. When we, when we start getting outside of those boundaries, I think is when fear and panic set in. But the cool thing is fear and panic is, is a response that God has built into us that drives us away from ourselves to go, hey, wait, I actually need help. Like, you know, so we're turning outside to say, you know, I can't do this on my own, which then comes into the community, um, which God has established a community for these things called the church. And outside of even that local community, the Lord himself helping us. Right, right. When uh, Scripture tells the, the thief to stop stealing and to get a job so he can do what? Not so we can take care of himself, yeah, so we can so we take can care share. of other people, mm-hmm. so we can share. Yeah, and that and that's kind of the concept behind it. You know, I, I was part of a, a ministry in the past where there was a mindset of preparedness, but it was an exclusive kind of preparedness. You know, it, it's it's 
for for me uh, and my and my crew, and that brushes against some biblical boundaries that probably are are not right, um, because it seems like the scriptures emphasize being prepared in a sense that you can be poured out for the service of others. Even as we were going through, all right, so RPT is taking over a little bit, but even even when we went through this last pandemic, and when there was um, when there was possible shortages of certain things, Dave, you pulled me aside and you're like, I got you, right? Hey, this is the stuff that you should be doing right now. Because you knew, like, this is kind of where you're at and where you live, but you're like, I got you. And, you know, you and I had some of these same sorts of conversations too. You hooked me up with so much hand sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, okay, bring us back. Craig's got buckets of hand sanitizer. Yay, Craig, you're in Kentucky. (laughs) You'd have been in this whole thing too. But, like, we all live, like, four miles from each other. Yeah, I I think this is a really good point. Maybe just a touch point and an action step point is – we are designed to care for each other. We are designed to be in community. I don't have, ever, like even even this panel, I don't have it all. Craig doesn't have it all. You guys don't have it all. Like, but when we come together, we can, you know, we can serve each other. Mm. And so I, I think it's really important in prepping and survival and, and everything that gets into like tactics and interpersonal skills and, and just love, right? When it all comes down to it is love. So like, you know, why do you prep um, is it, is it just for your own personal survival to live another day or is there something beyond that? Maybe we can kick that question around. Well, you bring up a good point because there will come a day that you don't survive past. You know, that, that's the bottom line for all of us. So, you know, maybe we get an extension of days, weeks, months, years. Um, but ultimately there is a, a preparation for eternal life that I think is critical. You know, if you think about this, you know, I could put hours into making sure we have enough food in the basement, that we have um, the ability to have shelter, water, fire, you know, all these things, but but not give nearly the same kind of thought to my eternity because it just doesn't seem as real sometimes. But this life is like, boom, no matter what, even if you extend it for years, it's still boom. And then there's eternity to think about. And if we've not prepared for that, you know, all the preparation that we're putting into these things now are, is completely worthless. So I think, you know, there's a hard wiring in us. Like you said, you used the word we're designed for this. We've been designed for these kinds of things because this is a, a warm-up for a much bigger show, which is the eternal uh, state. So prepping for that. I, I think, you know, is really the kind of the key. But th- these things that we're doing here, like you mentioned love, being able to show love, compassion, kindness, um, to be able to not be a burden on others by, you know, by having to use all their stuff because you've actually been preparing for your, to take care of yourself. Those things are all a demonstration of the character of Christ, which is what we're meant to uh, demonstrate for eternity. Good points. I'm a pastor, so <laughs> this is where all my answers are going to go. If you guys didn't know when yeah. Joe said uh, we're kind of sliding into RPT, that's Rural Pastors Talk, their hmm. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Those are really good insights. Thanks, guys. So let me ask you guys this. Uh, in light of everything we said, in light of current events, do you feel like, think uh, – that some sort of society altering event is likely, you know, 
next year, next two years, next five years, next 10 years. You don't know. You don't care. What are your thoughts? Craig, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at Craig, too. Well, I think that's a <clears throat> that is a very difficult question to answer would be my first statement on that subject. It's who who could have seen COVID coming other than a few people that study bioeconomy, which is a which is a movement that has been out there for several years now that very few people are even talking about. So with that in mind, it would be hard to say a year or two or three, I think, I think based upon what we've experienced that evil people will see what has happened with COVID and then utilize it again to affect change on our planet and, and the people that inhabit it. Because a lot of things did change with just what I would consider a, a simple illness, if you will. I'm not saying that it's not real. I'm not, I'm not one of those people. It's, it's a real situation that we need to understand. But in the scheme of things, it wasn't a bioterrorism type event that we know of where a lot of people initially died right off the bat. I mean, it was slow coming. We could see it coming. I mean, most of the time we saw stuff coming all the way across Asia into Europe, and then now we're going to get it. And so that is not how most evil people do things. And so with that in mind, I can see, uh, although I agree with some of our other panelists here that uh, that we should be of hearts of love and what have you. There's just a world of people out there that are not like that at all. And so uh, I'm not a pastor. So I guess I would look at it from that perspective and say this is that evil is going to visit us again. And how those evil people design that to happen is questionable. And it's hard to know because it's warfare, in my opinion. I think we're at war. And I think what is happening has been warfare that's been put on us by different entities, China, China being one of them. And therefore, what they're capable of, because they're, a lot of the people from that part of the world are evil, uh, at least the people that want to bring harm to America are, are of that sort of mindset. So I, it would be hard to say. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So when, I mean, do you think this conversation about bartering, do you think we may come to a time where... We're in sort of like a cashless situation where a barter, bartering economy, scavenging, of course, you have marauding, you have stealing, you have all of that, where those sorts of things, you know, would kick in. Let me just kind of, I might be able to, um, you, you had mentioned some tension a little bit earlier, and we had been talking about our relationship together in a loving, caring, Christian, brotherly family sort of care that way not everybody's going to share those sorts of things right and that's and so dave like every all of the good stuff that we had talked about uh like mm -hmm. in sharing things back and forth one another here i will do this for you because i love you and then you say hey i'm going to do this because i care for you the same way back and forth 
there's going to be lots of folks that don't share those same sorts of things, right? So Mm -hmm. how do we get along, go along, and exist in that sort of with the rest of the world? And TJ and I would, and I think everybody else here would be like, okay, and here's great opportunities to be able to share gospel throughout all those sorts of things. But how do we exist in those? Like that's what you're talking about, like that bartering. Coexisting with... Uh, competing worldviews, competing levels of of you know just self interest that people right. have. Compete, competing levels of fear. Like if you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, um, like TJ was saying, like eternally, we, if you should die tomorrow, you, all you have to live for is today, right? So you're gonna do anything you can to preserve mm-hmm. every moment you have, right? Okay, I'm looking at Craig again. Well, guys, I think the the hard truth is this: yeah. is that evil is a thing, and, and and Joe is hitting it right on the head. And that there's just a lot of people in the world that don't have that worldview, or does don't even have a a view that's even close to that. And so I'm I'm fond of trying to remind people that even though I would like to have the mindset of helping other people, and I will, there's some people that are going to come to the door that are not a 20 year old couple that didn't prepare and they've got a couple of kids and stuff of that nature. It's going to be somebody that's going to come and, and try to take my wife or my daughter or some variation of that. And I think we have to be cognizant of that. And I think quite frankly, we have to be prepared for that. And world events have proven this time and time again, it's not me having an opinion. This is just world history and what's happened in the past in different, specifically different parts of the world where there's been warfare that have visited the shores of different countries one of the things that's traded is females because people trade sex and that's an unfortunate truth of real life. And so I'm, I'm not going to sunshine, peace and love my way into uh, somebody's heart by handing over my wife when they come for her because they have a need for sex. I'm going to hurt them and I'm not going to hesitate to do it. And I don't think any of us should as as we have been fond of mentioning some of the things that we're responsible for, one of my responsibilities is the safety and security of my family. And so I will do that, and I will do that with surprise, speed, and violence of action. I will not do that with a hug if somebody tries to take my wife. Yeah, because I don't think everybody's called. I don't think everybody's necessarily called to be a, a martyr, though we are called to be able to give up everything if, if that's – and at the same, where was I going with this? Okay, so I was going to throw a caveat out there because there might be some folks that are out there listening to this podcast like, oh, they're just talking about Christian stuff. Why oh, I turn this off? Well, listen, we're talking about caring and loving and community, and Christ is at the center of what we're talking about. But it's not that much different than you loving your family if you're not a Christian and caring for the people that you love and care for, right? So, so this is a. I think it's an essential discussion that we're having for Christians and then also for, also for non-Christians, right? You got a team, you there's, got people. There's that a lot love. of people out there that, um, that are living a moral, upstanding, you know, honest life. Right. And they're in the same category. What, what do you do? Will mm-hmm. you protect your stuff and your people? How do you do that? What provisions have you made? What training have you gotten uh, to do so because there are, it's, it's kind of like Craig, you and I have talked about this a lot, just that I, I don't like the word survivalist either, because to me, every survivalist I've ever heard of or 
seen or seen what they wrote on social media is all about like, I don't need to prep. I'm just going to shoot you in the face and take your stuff. Like there's people out there. Like, believe, that's not it or, cool. believe it or not. Yeah. 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 You, I'll let you spend the money to hoard your toilet paper. And then I'm just going to come take it. Right. Yeah. And none of us are. Yeah. That's not cool. You know, in any case, um, there is tremendous value in community and, there's nobody who's going to lie on their deathbed and go, man, I did a good job protecting myself, and I'm glad I have this pile of stuff left over that got me to this day. What you reflect upon on your deathbed is relationships and the investment that you made in other people and other people made in you. And almost everybody arrives at that point going, I wish I would have focused on that more earlier. Amen. So this idea of community whether it's a community of faith or just a community of people is a critical component of this. And I think one of the dangers in, in the kind of prepping community that you're talking about is solo. You know, I've got this. It's, it's an independence that probably has a, a lot of merit on its own. Like I, I want to be able to, to get through something hard and, and be able to, to, you know, to, to make sure that I protect people around me, whatever. But we're not independent people. We weren't made that way. We're made hardwired to be interdependent, to, to be dependent on other people. So one of the investments that we make as we prepare or prep should be investments in other people. Amen. So that when those tough days come and we have to ask the question, am I going to defend myself or not? It's not just me sitting in my living room. It's this community of people around that is sharing and working in a, in a harmony like that. Mm-hmm. Really good points. Go ahead. So I think, uh, and tell me to stop, what I was going to, I think we've laid this down, right, of what's important and what and what's not important. Uh, a community, um, being, being prepared. Um, I think, Craig, you said it really, really well. I'm going to not say it nearly as well as what you are, but not to find your worth and your safety in stuff, but also in... Um, your abilities and your gifts and having prepared, right? So maybe we can transition out of that more towards, all right, so what happens if the dollar doesn't, isn't worth anything really at all? Like, what do we... Well, I think the thing that we need to be reminded of is that the dollar is going to tank. Right now, we're on a fast track to uh, an economy that's not going to be there for us when we need it. And I think there's a common thread that happens inside of most survival preparedness mindsets that we're going to have silver or gold or something of that nature. And we're going to trade that because it's a, it's a standard. We have a gold standard. And quite frankly, that's a long-term sur- Well, it's not even survival. It's a long-term living strategy where you have something that does have value over a long period of time, whether it be silver or gold. When in reality, in a true, really traumatic situation, whether it be natural disaster like a hurricane or uh, something that could be larger that, you know, just a guess here would be bioterrorism or something of that nature, nuclear war, the things that people are going to need in those first 30 days have nothing to do with silver or gold. And it is those things that we've mentioned earlier, talking about bartering, what have you, that are critical, critical, absolutely critical to be able to share goods with other people and it goes back to the 
the thing that's been said for years, which is, which is beans, bullets, and band-aids are the three things that are going to be needed, which is you're going to need food. People are going to want it. They're going to fight for it. They're going to need hygienic medical supplies and they're going to need a way to secure it and keep it safe. And so those three things are going to be critical, not silver and gold and not really the dollar in a true survival situation. So, okay, the 1930s, the Depression has happened again. Maybe it's just worse for whatever reasons. What do you want to have? What do you want to stockpile? Like what is going to be valuable? I'm throwing that out there as so, a question. So right? let me let me just back up a ah, little sorry. bit. I'm going to back up just a little bit. And let's just talk about cash a little bit. Okay, let's just say um, I, I totally agree with you, Craig. In fact, I, I have a friend who's in banking, and I said, so if I bought this property and let's just say I paid $500,000 for it, and let's just say in three years that $500,000, like it's – like I'm going to be paying it back with money that's almost not worth anything, right? What do you do? And Ben was there with me and he said, I don't have an answer for that. Like I don't have an answer for that. You know, if the value of a dollar today is a dime in 3 years, then you know, I'm I'm paying back $500,000 with Fifty thousand dollars, right? Or, or Bitcoin. Well, or Bitcoin. <laughs> All right, TJ, Bitcoin. Well, I was just going to say, actually, before that, you know, in uh, post World War One Germany, they burned their money for heat because it was cheaper to burn that. So, but they would also take wheelbarrows full of it to go. Before get you were a pastor, what were you? I taught social studies. Yeah, there you go. So you know, <laughs> you see the pictures of post World War One Germany with such crazy inflation, and the, and it's a whole wheelbarrow full of money to go get bread. So they are still using money. And what happens, I think, a lot throughout history is maybe to, to balance out. I, I, I can't balance out Craig. He's way smarter than me. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't really need balancing. Uh, but there is a pattern that seems to take place in history where countries wanting to rebuild and start over is there. So if a superpower goes down, there are other powers that usually come in. Uh, or that superpower does try to build itself out of the ashes. So there may be some middle ground wisdom of I want some assets that are of historic value uh, aside from just something I can barter so that if there is that world where I can take the wheelbarrow, wheelbarrow full of money to get bread and I don't have to you know trade my kidney for it, then, th- then I've got some things in mind for that. So uh, just, just kind of a thought on that. Let me throw out something on cash. I think – he didn't it, say anything about Bitcoin. He didn't say anything about Bitcoin. I just said Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> TJ probably knows the most about Bitcoin of if, any of us here. If the grid goes down, there's no Bitcoin. I don't know. I heard that there's uh, satellites that are running, says it's in know, the satellites. running the uh, <laughs> running the blockchain. Um, let me just talk about cash. I, okay, let's just say that a week from tomorrow, there's a cyber attack. You can't buy anything with your credit card. I think that there, and that's a little bit really, really short term. We could extend it out maybe six months, a year, a couple of years. But if things go bad, I think cash has a short-term exchange value. I don't know how short-term that would be, 
But if we can't use electronic money, which, you know, Bitcoin is, and like most of our money is not in paper in the United States, it's, it's electronic money. They don't even have to print it really if they, if they don't want to. Then I think cash has some value. So, so I do think there's value to having cash in your wallet, Craig. I, I think you're a pretty big advocate of having a, a fair amount of cash. I mean, it still has value today. And if you can't use electronic means, you're not going to go to the gas station and put your credit card in or, or anything. You're going to barter a sporting goods store or whatever. You're going to barter with something of value or they're going to say, hey, I'll, I'll take your cash, you know, before it, you know, goes to zero. Before so what, we start burning it for. What are you going to barter? What do you have? What, I'm, I'm throwing that I'm question out gold, to you guys. Gold and silver, man. <laughs> I don't have any gold What's the problem? Okay, let's just talk about this. What's the problem with gold and silver? Craig hit on this a bit. I think the key with gold and silver, again, guys, is that you can't eat it and you can't use it to defend yourself. And so it's just one of those things that is uh, yep. it is definitely tangible. It's something yeah, we can ahead. put our hands on and see and feel and touch. Yep. And so there will be some people that find it attractive and useful because in our current society, it has value. But in a society that's a world without the rule of law, it's not going to have hardly any value at all, if any at all. And the key is just keeping alive type stuff. And that means, again, the things that are going to be very problematic are hygiene. So you're going to need medical supplies and hygiene. You're going to need something along the lines of food and clean water, which kind of goes with hygiene. And then also you need to be able to defend it, and that's both in in equipment as well as skill. You need to be able to know how to avoid problems so that you're not thrust into the middle of a situation where you need to utilize the skills of self-defense, for example, or security. And at the same time, when and if you do, you need to know how to do it and do it well so that you don't bring harm to people you don't want to bring harm to. There is going to be a high level of panic from vastly more people than what there were. Uh, I think that's probably what the greatest fear that I would have is desperate people who have no idea what to do except for come take your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Guys, this is all really good. And we said about 40 minutes and we're right up on that. And we've only gotten a third of the way through this topic, but let me, let me just wrap this up in a couple of ways. And then as I'm doing this, why don't you guys think of some action steps and then we'll come back and we'll, We'll see if we can wrap this. I think this is a really good topic of consideration because this is getting real, right? This is the real stuff. But one thing I want to say is if you look at marauding, scavenging, foraging, whatever you want to call it, stealing other people's stuff, bartering, and this will we'll prep out our next podcast by saying this too, barterings actually existed before governments and money existed. It's just a natural way that people exchange goods and services, et cetera, even like in the indenture world. Like I, I trade my, myself to do, do these fields so that I get 50% of what is harvested from them, right? So that's kind of like where we're going to start because I think this is really important. I think it's a, a really important topic. Um, and I think another point with bartering as we're talking about just humanity's proclivity and you know I guess sin nature if you want to call it that uh, and, and selfishness that bartering's actually the most fair and humane uh, way of 
getting the things that you need in, in any sort of crisis or a cashless society, I would say, out of all the choices that we have. Maybe you guys comment on that, and then we'll get into some action steps. You know the problem with it? It's not taxable. That's why, you know, we've gotten so dependent away from, from that because other people that want a piece of that pie can't have it. You know, you know what that sound is? TJ opening up another can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, David, for sure. I think one of the things that we have to be able to do is we have to now start bartering. I think we need to consider how to trade goods with other people. If you have a community of people, just for example, you guys that are up there close to one another, uh, live close to one another, one of the things that you can do is start bartering amongst yourselves now. For those of you all who have churches that you attend, learn how to barter. Uh, I do it with Nature Reliance School. I do it with uh, friends from my church. Uh, I, right now I've got a, a, a whole bunch of stuff sitting on my table that somebody that I go to church with came and brought to me, and I'm going to be utilizing what they make, and I'm doing some videos for them because, and Jennifer's taking photos for them because, you know, she has skill in doing that, and we have skill in doing video. And so we're helping them, and they're helping us. So that's just a matter of good bartering. And the time is now, as it is in most things, to start developing that skill rather than waiting until something occurs. I think that's key. That's probably not on the list of some of the things that people were thinking that we were going to be talking about. They were like, all right, how many 9 millimeter shells should I have to barter? And how many cans of beans should I have? And how many bags of rice should I have? Knowledge, uh, the skills that you have. Uh, they, even just you teaching in class, you were trading your knowledge and skill in teaching for something else, for something tangible. Yeah, guys. I mean, I think the key here is, yeah, guys, I think the key here is is that it's going to be a mixture of both tangible and, I guess, intangible things that we can barter, whether it is the beans, bullets, and Band-Aids that are tangible or the skills, um, strategic thinking, critical thinking. Uh, there are people that have incredible critical thinking skills that are going to be invaluable. Uh, I'm often fond of sharing when I, I get to teach groups of people that we're, all, we're always talking about everybody needs a medic, and I think that's important, but I also think that we need a good engineer that can think outside of of conventional ways of putting things together, whatever those things are, and being able to engineer things, whether it's a mechanical engineer or even electrical engineer for that matter, and build things that are useful tools when we don't have things right down the at, at the grocery store or the home improvement store or what have you and so skills are important knowledge is important and probably equally so in a situation like we've been describing here how your brains and how the stuff that you have is proof of work which has value intrinsically and all that but maybe we'll save that for next time because yeah. craig just kind of he just dropped a bomb we're done swish <laughs> mic drop <laughs> So action steps. Oh man. Action steps. That means we're not done if we have action steps. Oh, action steps. We're almost done. All right. Action steps. I think the big one guys is, and this is real simplistic, but I think one thing that everybody can do is go to their uh, electric box coming into their house and turn their electric off and go to their water meter and turn their water off and then start taking notes on what happens. Cause it's going to be an uncomfortable situation for nearly everybody in the home. If you don't do that on a regular basis, and by doing so, you start to uh, get an insight into, man, I've got to do something about 
what happens in my toilet and get it out of my house? How do I do that? What kind of solutions do I come up for that? And it's in a time and a place where we're safe to do it right now. And so we can do those things and start coming up with solutions so that when we have an event or a situation where we actually need these things, then we already have a game plan together, and I think that's going to be critical. That would be my first action step is turn the water and electric off and see what happens. TJ, Joe? Uh, I would say a really critical action step is to invest in people. You know, Find people who you trust, you can build trust with, but also who have skills that you don't have. And develop a kind of relationship where you can rely on each other and work together. That's not going to just fall into place if there's a crisis. That's something that takes time, especially the trust component. If you're really going to trust somebody in a time of crisis when it's, you know, one of us is going to live and one of us might not, that has to be developed. You needed to develop that two years ago. That's right. Yeah. So that's <laughs> if people critical. hate you now. You need to fix that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or if you just don't know, like, you know, right. if you're just right. not in somebody's life to the, to the extent that you can, Trust them. You know, you got to work up. These guys both said it really, really well. They did. All right, guys. Buy Bitcoin, Joe. That's what you're going to say. Buy Bitcoin. Mark, uh, Cuban, Mark Cuban said, uh, what did he say? Uh, bananas worth more than a Bitcoin? I, don't, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while back. Yeah. He owns a lot of Bitcoin, though. Yes, he does. All right, guys. I guess that's it. We'll come back. We'll get into specific bartering items. We'll talk a little bit more about proof of work and how that is manifested in the things that you have and you can barter, but we're going to do that next time. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap it up. Please support today's sponsor. SOL survive outdoors, longer makers of emergency shelters, fire starters, survival kits, and signaling accessories pack SOL and pack more than luck available available at Ooh, you guys have a problem with that word? Available at REI, Amazon, and many other retailers. And before we get going, where can people find your stuff, Craig? Oh, thanks. Find you. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, David. Uh, NatureReliance.org is the home for all things Nature Reliance, which is the organization that I oversee. I'm on all the social media out there, so check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, YouTube awesome. and all that good stuff. But you can find my books and all that sort of information at naturereliance.org. Mr. TJ. Wellsboroughbible.com. W-E-L-L-S-B-O-R-O-B-I-B-L-E.com. Mr. Joe. Godsfamilyfellowship.org. And the podcast is Rural Pastors Talk. And what do you talk about on Rural Pastors Talk? Rural Pastors <laughs> we talk. Actually, our last episode. Who did we have on our last episode? We had on Keith Getty, who is a modern hymn writer, and interviewed him about the importance of singing in the local church. Super cool episode. It Check was it a out. great. It was a great interview. I enjoyed it. All right, everyone. As Craig always says, HBO, help a brother out. Give the podcast. Give this video five stars, likes, uh, comment. Tell us what you think. If you have any questions that you would like us or concerns, anything you would like us to talk about in future podcasts, go ahead, put it in the comments. Be nice. All right. Please share the podcast. Please share the video. And until next time, keep it simple, stay positive, and raise your Ebenezer. <laughs> no, be sharp. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>